every single circumstance in the world is a gift. It is the gift. It's the opportunity being presented to you to change. Like yeah. everything that you think is shitty and horrible and not working in your life is God, universe, source going here. Here's your opportunity to see it differently. And this time I'm going to make it real bad. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Cut from a different cloth. Y'all will get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring match. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 277 of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. You're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Very grateful to have you joining us today for this conversation, which is the epitome of the purpose of this show. It embodies that purpose in so many different ways and so many different capacities. And you might be saying, well, Matt, what is the purpose of this show? And in this season of the show's life, in this season of my life, I think it's best summed up in one word, and that one word is homecoming, coming home to who you truly are. And this conversation, as I get the chills up and down my arms, holy crap, seriously, this conversation is the epitome of that in so many different ways. I want to share a couple of things. Firstly, I want to share three points that I took away from this conversation. I would love to know what you take away from it, though. That's most important to me. I would love to know what you're learning from these episodes. And if you head over to my Instagram account, go under the video, the reel that we're using to promote this episode and just leave a comment and let me know what you're taking away from it. I would love to start a combo with you about that. But three things that I'm taking away. Number one, it comes at the wee end of this episode where our incredible guest who's getting a proper introduction in just a little bit shares that you are already the person that you want to be. You are already the person you want to be. Meaning we don't get to walk into a lab or an underground layer like Iron Man or Batman and start equipping ourselves with like all of these external things that make us stronger and better. No, in fact, you're already the person you want to be. You're already that person in business. You're already that person in your relationship. It's just a matter of uncovering, right? It's a matter of shedding what's been layered on top of us. Again, coming home, homecoming. Secondly, a three-step process to finding out what you truly want. Think about this. I mean, you could be scrolling on Instagram. It happens to all of us because these people are absolutely geniuses that are behind these marketing companies and marketing for major brands and all of these things, right? I mean, how do you know what you want? Your parents, your friends, your teachers, your culture, your society has taught you, especially in your early years when you were this very absorbent sponge. And when I say you, I also mean me, just putting that out there. We were these absorbent sponges and we're taught what we want, what we want to be, how we look at success, how we look at relationships, how we view love, this, that, and the other. But when you're scrolling on Instagram and you're like, you know what? I want to, I want to get that. Like, I want that in my life. How do you know you truly want that? So our incredible guest gives us a three-step process to finding out if it is what you truly want or if it's what you've been programmed to believe you want. Thirdly, changing your mindset on what you believe you are worth. That really hit home for me, as many, many points within this episode has done. It's all hit home for me. And I just want to point this out. In this particular episode, I was used as a guinea pig in a good way to convey messages. And I hope that you know that I come here to each and every episode as a student of life, just like you do, right? You're a student. You're coming to this podcast. You go to your courses. You go to your classes. You 
you do all that you do as a student to grow. And I'm in the same boat. So this was a little uncomfortable, but if it builds a sense of resonance with you, a deeper sense of resonance with you, then the job is done. And in this episode, you're also going to hear that I am going to do my best to show up as my most authentic and true self, which again can be uncomfortable because I have those people pleasing tendencies too. And I want to be accepted and I want to be loved. I'm sharing this so that you know this and hold me accountable if you think that I may not necessarily be that authentic self. Like I want to be the same person I am in my group chats that I am right here on this podcast, which is pretty intense to say. So all of that being said, we are joined by a truly incredible individual, someone that I respect, someone that I honor, someone that I, I love. I mean, for this conversation alone, I'm super grateful to be able to amplify this to each and every one of you. Alexi Panos, a master leadership and embodiment trainer, helping people access their deepest truth and fullest expression in numerous capacities. She has her Bridge Experience workshops, Awaken the Muse Embodiment Program, and Sanctuary, which is her online spiritual community. Alexi is a sought-after business strategist and creative consultant, a documentary filmmaker and a humanitarian, a best-selling author of the book 50 Ways to Yay and Now or Never, both by Simon & Schuster. I mean, these words don't even describe how incredible she is. So, so much in this episode. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I'm praying that you feel compelled at a certain point in this episode, when that light bulb goes off for you, to share this with someone in your life. But Without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Alexi Panos. Alexi, welcome to Decoding Success. Really excited to have you. It's been a long time coming. I've been trying for this for a little bit, so I'm excited it's come to fruition here. Thank you so much. Of course. Happy to be here and happy to get into your world and your audience and serve as best as I can. I appreciate that. Well, let's start off with how are you? What's going on in the life of Alexi? Oh my, so much. I feel like I'm a mama to four kiddos. My oldest just turned five, but prior to that I had four and under. So now I've got four or five and under. It's crazy because I've got family life and then I'm running three seven-figure businesses. And then I've got real estate portfolio that I manage and family and friends and all the things. So it's a lot, but I remind myself, this is why I do the work. Like I do a lot of somatic work. I do a lot of nervous system work and it's because I want a big life. I love having a big life. I love having the experience of like squeezing the juice out of everything and knowing that when I do die, whenever that is, that I'll have like given it everything. So the nervous system and somatic work helps me build a body that can hold the extreme amount of things that I do. So it's good. It's good. I just got back from Mexico all the things. So I'm feeling good. I was going to say, you have a nice little glow going on. You have a, you have a little tan. I like that. That's yeah, awesome. That Mexico sun did me, did me well. <laughs> I'm curious. You mentioned that you knew you wanted a big life. And I was reading something last night and it said, I'm reading a book by T. Harv Ecker. I'm not sure if you've ever read it. Love um, T. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. This is the first book I've picked up of his. And in the book, it said, most people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. Mm. So I'm curious to learn how you knew you wanted this big life. Well, it's interesting because I grew up in a really small town. So I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, a lot of the people I went to high school with still live there and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a great place to raise families. But the path in Erie was kind of marry your high school sweetheart. You have kids at 18, 19, 20 years old. Maybe you go to community college and then that's that. You get a great job and life is good. But from a young age, my parents 
always thought very globally. My dad's side of the family is Greek and all, you know, we've got that immigrant mentality of all entrepreneurs. We came over from Greece. My family came over and they're like, we got to make it happen. We're going to do all these businesses to make sure our family's good. And my mom, same, she's a hustler and she also loved to travel. So I had this opportunity to be gifted really with two parents who showed me that there was an alternative to what was commonplace. It just excited me. I'm like, wait, so you're saying we don't have to stay in the same place? So you're saying I could go somewhere warm. So you're saying I could live in New York City. So you're saying I can travel to Europe. So you're saying I don't have to go to college. So you're saying I can run whatever business I want. That's exciting. And my parents really fostered that in myself and my siblings. And you know, they put in early on the belief, you can do whatever you want. You just have to be resourceful enough and work hard enough and work smart enough to be successful at it. It's not going to be handed to you. You got to earn it. And so I'm so grateful for that mentality. At such a young age, my parents empowered me. Even my lunch money, they're like, earn it. And so I had to be creative (laughs) and like figure out how do I earn my lunch money if I don't want the groceries at home? I was going through my stuff, selling old things, making things, creating circuses in the neighborhood that I was selling tickets to. So there was always this desire to want to see it all because I lived in this small little town and then I got tastes of travel in the summers, because my parents really had that mentality within themselves, they still do. My mom's 65, she's still, she's got a huge business, she's still hustling, she's a coach, a therapist. My dad is, he builds like apps and websites for companies. He lives in Greece now full time. Like my parents are still living their best life in their late 60s and I'm like, this is what I mean. You don't have to take the traditional route. And I think we're in a society now, thank God, where I think all those old systems are starting to die out. Like we're starting to look at the college game and we're like, wait a second, this doesn't make sense for a lot of people. Like you go to college, spend four years learning about something you're not even sure you're going to be able to use, let alone get a job in. And then you're going to graduate with how much debt? that you have Mm. to pay off, this doesn't make sense. So we're starting to question the old ways. And in that questioning, we're creating so many new possibilities. And I think that to me is exciting because there really is no excuse in today's world to not live the life that you want to live. Absolutely. I love that. Out of total curiosity, we have a very large Greek following. I'm not Greek, but I'm in Queens where there's a ton of Greeks. So where in Queens? Are you in Astoria? I'm not, but I was just going to ask, how does your dad, a Greek, end up in PA? So oddly enough, so my grandparents came in through New York, lived in Astoria, mm-hmm. and I still have a place in Astoria. I rent it out, but really, in Astoria. <laughs> and then they had some family that had moved to Erie, Pennsylvania. And Erie at that time was like a huge burgeoning city. So there was a huge like steel thing happening there. And so they said, well, hey, we can do our restaurants in Erie and be like the Greek place in Erie, Pennsylvania, where there's all these like factory workers going. So they moved there. It was between Erie, Pennsylvania and Australia. I later found out. I'm like, and you guys picked Erie? Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. No, it's so incredible. In fact, we actually, we had Stefano Safandos on the show. There's just a ton of Greeks down there in Australia. It's really interesting to see how, you know, people spread out. But I love the start of this. And I appreciate you sharing some insight into your upbringing and whatnot. I'm curious to learn for people that are tuned into this that want to get clear on what it is they truly want, right? To find out for themselves what they want. Maybe they didn't have parents or, you know, the people around them. They weren't in proximity to that. What's a step-by-step in your opinion?
opinion to getting clear on what it is you truly want versus, you know, what gets piled on top of us, whether it be conditioning or parenting, this, that, and the other? Yeah, such a good question. I think you have to start with untethering from external sources. Like I I think about how many people are just scrolling on their phone all day and they're like, oh, I want a Lambo. I want this kind of house. And I'm like, (laughs) but do you really? Or is that just because the 9 million people you follow, that's the overarching theme of what they want. And so we have to start like deconditioning ourselves and and untethering ourselves from these external voices that are saying, here's what you should want. Oh, you're a woman in your 30s and you're not married yet. You should want to be married and have kids. Well, do you? Like, maybe you don't. I have a friend who is so clear. She's like, I like not having kids. And I'm like, great. Because if she listened to society, she'd be in the boat with the majority of women that think that that's what you should want, right? So we've got to untether. And the best way to do that is to quiet the noise. Like, get off social media, do a social media detox for a little bit. Stop watching TV. Do If people even watch TV anymore, but Netflix, you know, <laughs> stop watching all those things because advertisers are in these shows. You know, they're paying to be placed in these shows. And they're They're smart and they're constantly telling us, hey, here's what you should need. Hey, here's what you should want. And even if we don't realize it, it is affecting our subconscious. So untethering from all of those external sources, very important. Second step, once you've kind of cleared the noise, I would say is you got to start asking yourself, like, what have I always loved? Like as a kid, what were the things that brought me joy? What were the curiosities I had? You know, like I think about my son who's five, he's obsessed with the ocean right now obsessed. Mm. And I was too at his age. And what did I go on to do? I went to dive with sharks and go to the Great Barrier Reef and, you know, swim under caves in Morocco. Like, yes, because that was something at a young age, it was a seed that was planted in my consciousness somewhere from somewhere, but it carried. And so there's little clues. If you look back at your youth before you were pushed into sports or pushed into piano or whatever it was, what were you interested in? What were the books that you picked up at the library? What were the conversations you had? What were the toys you collected? Like, think about all of those things. And then third step, dream, dream. Like I would just take like a big notebook and write down all the things that if everything was possible and you were a cajillionaire, what would you do? What would you spend your money on? Where would you go? Who would you go with? What kind of food would you eat? What would you try? What are you an absolute no to? Where would you live? I have one friend who had like a full corporate life, like full corporate life, paying off student debt, doing the things, like full corporate life. And we went through an exercise similar to this because he was just feeling kind of checked out. You know, he's like, everything's good, but it's not great. Like, I think Mm -hmm. there's got to be more and I can't put my finger on what more is. So we just kind of workshop this and it's like, okay, you've got $20 million in the bank. What's the first thing you do? It's like, quit my job. I'm like, okay, great. What's the next thing you do? He's like, "Mm, sell all my stuff and buy a van. I'm like, okay, great. Where are you going in the van? He's like, I would just go up and down the coast and surf. I'm like, awesome. How would that feel to do that? He's like, honestly, that would make me so happy. And he tried it. And 20 years later, he's still living in a van on the coast, surfing, doing videography, underwater videography for some of the biggest film houses in California for awesome like commercials. And he's living his best life. Does he have a house and kids and all? No, that's not what he wants. And so you have to be willing to ask yourself that question. And I think kind of going back to it, a lot of people don't know because they're scared to ask. Why are they scared to ask? Because if they answer it truthfully, a lot might have to change. Absolutely. I love this so much. It leads me to ask you, how do you untether without the FOMO? 
Now, I know you could rebuttal and say, well, yeah, it's either miss out on what you think is pleasurable on social media or miss out on the life you can live. I understand that. But, you know, there's definitely some FOMO. I'm just thinking about it. Like, I kind of like scrolling sometimes. So uh-huh. I'm curious what you, what your take is. Yeah, I mean, I say if human nature, like we're going to have FOMO, right? So yeah. I think the best cure for FOMO is taste it. Taste mm-hmm. it and realize that it isn't actually what you want. You know, like I have no FOMO for certain things because I've tasted certain things. Like when people are like, oh, we're going out. For instance, Burning Man. I go to Burning Man every year and I have friends that stay up all night until sunrise. I do not have FOMO for that. Why? Because I've done it once and I'm like, I actually like getting my sleep and waking up early. I've tasted it and I'm good. So because I know and I have that experience, I'm like, okay, I'm good. And so tasting it for someone who wants a Lambo or a big house or whatever, see how you can get into those spaces. Go to a car mm. show, go to, you know, go to boat shows, go look at houses, like get a taste for it so that you can be in the energy of that which you desire. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things, but taste it. You know, I got a taste of fame and success fairly early on in my teenage years. And so I didn't chase that because I saw behind the curtain. Like I chased it in my teenagers. I thought it was the answer. If I was famous and successful with money, that's it. I'm happy. Mm. And because I got to taste it early, I also got to taste the reality of it, which isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And there's a lot that comes with that. And so I recognize that and I got to move into my 20s and 30s from a whole different place of like, well, that doesn't actually matter because I tasted it. And now what does matter? So sometimes tasting it is all we need to satiate it so that we can move in and go, okay, we're good. Keep going. Absolutely. What if someone doesn't believe they're worth the big life they want to live? I would say most people. Yeah, I'm I'm one of them by the way. I'm yeah. I'm working on it. The book that I'm reading is revealing it to me that, you know, subconsciously there's a lot of things that need to be unpacked, but what if they don't feel like they're worth that life? Which is why they're settling for what they're settling for. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I think most people, myself included, we all hit that journey at some point. Whether we become aware of it or not is a different story, right? So you're doing the work. You're constantly seeking growth and next step and inspiration and within that constant seeking you're uncovering things about yourself. Like you're reading this book. Is it The Millionaire Mind that you're reading? It is. It is. So that's a great book, right? And in that book, he's writing about things and you're going to start to hear things that click. Oh my gosh, that's me. Oh my gosh, I recognize Mm -hmm. that. And so we can't change anything unless we have the awareness around it. I would say if you're unsure, look at your life. Your life is giving you constant feedback for where you're at. And if you feel like you keep like leveling up and then getting stopped at a certain point, like, okay, well, I left this job where I was making 70 grand to make more money, and now I'm only making 75, and that was three times in a row I did that. Okay, why can't I get past 75? There's an internal game that's not being played, Mm. right? And so if that's happening, which guess what? It happens to most of us. The way out is one, you got to be aware of it. You got to be aware of the games you're playing. And then step two, you got to get support. You got to go into spaces, work with coaches, go into rooms, read books where you get insight, inspiration, embodiment, practices, tools. You discover like, okay, this feels different. Like for instance, my husband and I, we run a workshop called The Bridge Experience. Bridge Experience is our level one. Our level two is called Extreme Leadership. Those two workshops over the course of five days total will literally change how you experience yourself in the face of your entire life. 
How do we do it? We do it by setting up scenarios where you're forced to look in the mirror and you can't beat the game. Because that's the thing, most of us are so smart and we're so analytical, we know a lot of things, but are we embodying and living those things in our lives? The answer is no for most of us, self-included, right? For a long time, that was me, I knew so much, but I wasn't living it. And so the workshop we set up, it's like a game within a game that you can't beat. And what happens is you see who shows up under pressure. You see what your nervous system does when worth is discussed and being talked about. And you're forced to see aspects of yourself that you've never seen before. And when you have that awareness, then we go, great, let's try something else on right now in the moment. And that level of embodiment practice gives you the tool to be like, well, I did it inside of a room with these crazy people. I can go out here and do it in my life with those crazy people. So let's do it. And that to me is like embodiment practices, working with people who are where you want to be. Like that's the quickest way to level up. Share these games that go on at these workshops. I'm always up for a challenge. I'm always curious to like hear what goes on. You say that it can't be beat can't be beat well so first of all you should come to austin we're doing one at the end of march i think march 25th 26th in austin you should come if you can because i can't explain it on here but the whole thing's a setup and the whole thing's a setup so much so that if preston and i took our own workshop we couldn't beat it Mm. meaning you're placed in scenarios where the human condition happens right so we've got all these people we set up scenarios where the human condition happens and you're forced to see what comes up within your body somatically Mm. and nervous system wise and how you then take that information and show up in a space with other humans and then you're getting watched so we've got coaches everybody's got a coach that's watching them the whole time and just taking notes and taking feedback on what your posture is doing what your breathing is doing what your eyes are doing so you're getting so much reflection it's like you're in a petri dish and we're just watching every aspect of you and you're getting feedback. So on every break, it's like, cool, go to your coach, get your feedback. What's the most common thing for someone to experience? Like what's coming up most for people? Well, there's so many surface level things, right? Fear, not enoughness. What are people going to think? People pleasing, false identity, like posturing, like here's who I am, but something else completely different is showing up. Whether it's like, I'm good, I'm smart. Like we train a lot of the best coaches in the industry. We've trained a lot of like Tony Robbins people. We're like, oh, I know all the things and I've done all the work. But their body is telling us that there's something else living in there. There's trauma that's unhealed. There's grief that hasn't been let go yet. There's anger that wants to rage and be let out. And we can see all of that because the body doesn't lie. The body is literally telling us what we need to know and speaking to us. But underneath all of that is a sense of unworthiness, right? But that unworthiness creates a whole story of it's not safe to be me, like really me, like fully me. It's safe to be this version of me or this version of me or this version of me, but not the real me. If people really saw who I am, they would never accept me. And that's the biggest issue that we work with. And so we play the game of, well, what if you did show up as the fullest version of you? First, we got to crack all the other false versions, get to the core. And what if we bring the core to the room? And what if that core feels so seen and so celebrated and so loved on that you almost can't believe that it's happening? It feels surreal. And then you walk out and you go, oh, my whole life has to change. Like literally people leave our workshops and they're like, everything has to change because they get (laughs) who they truly are and they realize they set their entire life up as somebody else. So let me ask you this question, right? You're revealing a lot through these workshops. I've asked this question maybe twice on the show and we're 270 episodes into this. Wow. Is everyone meant to heal? I mean, I think so. Yes. 
Hey, here's what I'll say. Okay. Because that question, that question assumes something, right? It assumes that people are broken or hurt, right? That's what the question assumes, which is a valid question, right? Because a lot of people are hurt. A lot of people have had brokenness, but I don't think it's healing. So it's a yes and. Are people meant to heal? Yes. But based on what you're calling healing, no. What I would call healing is coming back home to who you've always been. Truly are. Okay. So- are people meant to do that? Yeah, I think that's the entire purpose of life. <laughs> but not everyone will do it. I don't think so. No, yeah. I don't. No, absolutely yeah. not. It's hard. It's hard work because society at large, the system, everything is set up for us to fit in and contrive and contort and do the thing we need to do in order to be successful. Successful. <laughs> Make sure I put those in quotes. And it's hard. It's hard because you have to be courageous. You have to be willing to go into your traumas. Most people have traumas, big traumas, little traumas, but all are traumas. And if it's a trauma, it registers in your body and your nervous system as it is not safe to be who I am. That is hard to face off with, no matter if it's a small one or a big one. And so we do a lot of trauma work in Bridge too, because loving that aspect of ourselves that has been hurt in that way is so important, but it's hard. It's hard for me. I've been in this work since I was a teenager. And it's hard for me sometimes. Like sometimes I'm just like, I wish I didn't know. I wish. Ignorance is sometimes, sometimes bliss, but not really. But sometimes I say, man, I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know that I could do better. Mm Because sometimes I just want to be a victim and cry and blame somebody else and be done with it. I hear that. It's funny. I was having a conversation recently. It's like once you become aware of something, you don't flush it out of the mind. Like once you're aware of it, you're aware of it. And that kind of sucks sometimes. You know, it's just like... Like like you said, I wish I didn't know that. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely something to navigate. But I'm curious, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? Mm, I don't know. Because I don't know. I think there's I think everybody's on their own journey. And so what I wish for people is that people ask what they really want to know and not what they think they want to know or think Mm. I want to answer. Okay, so let me ask you this. What's a question based off of our very brief 22 minute interaction so far? What's a question you think I should be asking you? Well, what do you think that question is? I think I'm asking those questions, but I'm curious. I'm, I'm trying to see if you're reading something that maybe I'm not sharing. Well, there's something interesting about like, okay, so the body speaks, right? So okay. I, again, I can't unsee what I know about somatics. So what every interaction I have, my body is reading your body. And I can't okay. see your lower half, but I see your upper half. I see your jaw, right? I see kind of like the forehead. I see everything that's going on here. And it's saying a lot. So one thing it says is that there's good boy energy in you, which is not about What does good boy energy mean? I've never so, heard this so, before. So there's identities, right? So I have good girl identity. That's very much okay. a part of my somatic conditioning. Your somatic conditioning has good boy energy, meaning that, you know, you try and keep a pleasant face, your face, you smile a lot. I do too. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. It just is. It's isness, right? So nothing wrong. But what I notice about that is there's a predisposition for you to please. Mm. So that predisposition for you to please, my question for you would be, what's the lion in you want? And does he feel safe to come out and play? Does he feel safe that he's not going to be judged if he's fully in his power and ferociousness? Like there's there's that aspect of you. And that's that's the game I'm playing with myself right now. Like there's a lioness in me. And my work this whole year is like cultivating the lioness. 
and having yeah. her feel fully safe to be here. So it's little things like that, right? So I'd be curious for you, what happens in your body when I say that? Couple things. Well, number one, you're spot on with the people pleasing. That's definitely something that I'm shifting out of or trying to at least. I've, right. I've been working on this since about 2020. Awesome. And yeah, you know, at that time I was 27, 26, one of those. So, you know, 26 years of going through that. But yeah, the people pleasing was definitely there. And I would also agree with you. And very interesting that you brought it up. I don't necessarily feel like I operate from full authenticity when it comes to the podcast. And it's not to say that I'm not real or vulnerable or whatever. Like I am, but I also feel like there is being that like this is our first interaction. A lot of people that we bring on the show, it's our first interaction, yeah. whether it be Mel Robbins or this one or that one. It's like, yeah. you know, you kind of have like a level of comfort that might not be there. Yeah. So that pushes you back or pushes me back, I should say. Yeah, and right. it's almost a little bit of, I don't want to say a front, but it's not fully me, if that makes sense. It does. Well, and, and it's societally correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's societally correct that you meet somebody, there's pleasantries that we're taught as kids, like say hi, like smile, you know, shake their hand, be nice. Like right. it's societally correct for you to have a certain demeanor when you first interact with people. You don't ask personal questions. My God, you don't talk about politics, religion, or sex. You know, it's like we know there's certain things that you just don't touch when you're first meeting people. So again, there's no good or bad in this. It's just, is it working for you? And that's the question to sit in. Like, mm -hmm. is this working for me? Like, if I were to run this podcast as fully self-expressed as I could, the full lion, the full sweet kitty, both in the same body, because they're <laughs> both there and they both get to live there, what would it look like? What would shift? Right. How would the conversations change? Would you swear more? Is that what you, like, I always like to say, like, think about your most comfortable relationship. Whoever you are in that relationship should be everywhere in your life. And if there's a dissonance, there's an identity issue. Mm. And that's the game we want to play is we want to be the same person in this room and in this room and in this interview. Like every interview that you're going to get with me, I'm the same. Yeah. Every time you come to my house, I'm the same. With my best friend where we go fucking crazy, I'm the same. Like I'm just the same. And it took me work because I used to pride myself on being a chameleon. Like I used to, I used to say that like, oh, I can be in any room and like, you know, rub shoulders with, you know, businessmen, also like hippies and be great. And I used to pride myself on being able to contort myself, people please, in order to be loved, quote unquote. So at what cost? Yeah. At the cost of my truth, at the cost of my honest expression, the cost of, of my own integrity and my own self-trust. Like I realized that I lacked trust in the world during that time, which was a good majority of like up until about, about your age, about my like late 20s. But I lacked trust in the world because deep down, I actually lacked trust in myself. Mm. Why? Because I didn't know who I actually was because I was person A over here, person B over here, person C right here, person D right there. And I'm like, well, who am I actually? I don't know. And that was work I had to go deep in. And I think I'll always be answering that question, right? Because my thought is I'm this spiritual being having a human experience. Like, am I ever going to fully know the fullest capacity of what it means to be a spiritual being in a human skin suit? Probably not, but I'm going to keep going and keep trying to uncover as much as I can. Yeah. You spoke to me tremendously there. I'm the chameleon. 
Like yes. without a doubt. Because you know what made me think of it? Who I am in my group text is not who I am on the podcast. Ah, uh, right there. Yeah. Yes. You know why though? But it's like, and I understand it is people pleasing without a doubt because yeah. I'm a fucking savage. <laughs> you know? okay. like- Great. Wait, so this is good. This is good because yes, you are. And all of you listening out there, you all have savage energy. And this is the thing, right? Society has made savage bad. We've made the lion bad. We've made the lioness bad. But we all have a fucking animal inside of us that can rage, that can be like hard and stern and fight, that can fight for brilliant things to happen, and that can take like energy that's take energy, but there's good taking too. Like we've just made all that bad. We put it all in a thing of like, that's fucking scary. Don't open that box, be a good little kitty and go this way. And so the question for the savage is how does the savage want to come out and play? How does the savage want to come out and support people in decoding success? Like what is success if the savage can't be there? Mm, yeah. You know? I love that. I do. I do. It's, you know what, what keeps it tamed is people pleasing when it comes to not wanting to offend anyone yeah why don't you want to offend anyone good question i'm going to take a deep breath and then i'm going to try and respond because the answer is not there yet so hold on why do i not want to offend anyone because i want to be loved I, i want to and what's interesting enough i'm going to reverse engineer it here if i was that savage i feel like more people would love me more people would accept me yeah Interesting. I think that's what, and not that the show is not successful, the show, you know, we make money from it, this, that, and the other, but I think the show would be more successful if that came out and I stopped operating like that. Mm, Okay. So this is so good. This is so good. Okay. And this is like real time. This is what, this is what we can do. I wasn't expecting this. No, this is awesome. (laughs) This is awesome. Okay. So let's think about who do you personally resonate with who has a podcast or a YouTube channel that has savage energy? That your savage is uh, like that. Yes. Yeah. Mix between Patrick Bet David, okay. who is for he's formerly in Dallas, now he's in Florida. Patrick Bet David, he's more like on the political spectrum, which I don't really give a fuck about to be honest. Like No, it's the energy though. Yeah, it's the en- I mean, his energy is fantastic. Yeah. I would say Patrick. Like that's who's inside of me and I don't say this to offend the next person I'm going to say, but I've been operating like Lewis House. Okay, and yeah. it's not to say Lewis doesn't, you know, he that's his own person. Yeah. Right. And I know but, I know Lewis as a friend and Lewis is uh, he's awesome. Yeah. And you're right. He's very well packaged. He's very professional. Yes. He is. That's that's a part of his success that he's so professionally packaged. He's consistent, he's reliable. He's, you know, he's like the boy next door in all of the capacities, like a American athlete, you know, it's all the, all the things, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if they were casting, if they were casting Captain America, Lewis Howes would be the person I would. He would be the perfect person for Captain America. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. And the question I'd pose for him is the same one I'd, I'd pose to you. Like, what aspect of yourself still hasn't felt like it's safe to come out and play? Mm. You know, it's we all have to ask that question. Like I said, I'm in that question right now, too. Like, nobody gets out of that fucking question. I don't care if you're Lewis Howes or Tony Robbins. Like, nobody gets out of that question. Why? Because unless you're fully at the spectrum of I am a spiritual being having a human experience and you actually live from that space of infinite being, do you know how many spectrums infinite being can take on? It doesn't just have good boy and savage. It's got a million different iterations that it can play with. So unless you're there and able to play with a million iterations of yourself, 
you still got work to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How many iterations can you play with of yourself? There is a lot. I feel like I have, I'll say this, I'll say this. I feel like I have tasted a lot of them. And I feel like I have moments where like the multifaceted being is fully online. And then I have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to be like that spiritual right now. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Where my human self is like, mm, not today, you know? Mm. But the thing is, is if you've tasted it, it goes back to the thing. If you've tasted it, you know what's possible. And when you know what's possible, you have a choice. Do I right. want to go there? Do I not? What? Who do I want to express today? What's alive in me today? And I think that's the game, right? It's not that you want to be all things all at once, but you want to be able to check in and honestly tap in. Like, what is alive in my body? today? What do I want to express? And if your savage energy is online, like bring that to your episode. You're like, you know what? That energy is like, I feel a fire in me today. Great. I'm going to bring that to whoever I'm interviewing today. Okay. Today I'm feeling like really soft. And I was, I was feeling grief and sadness last night. Okay. Let me bring that today. That's what embodiment is. Embodiment is not that you're like Jesus. It's that you're honest about what's in your body. And when you're honest about what's in your body, it resonates as alignment. And when it resonates as alignment, that vibration of resonance gets sent out into the universe. I'm going to go woo-woo and spiritual here. But it gets sent out and an aligned vibration is more attractive to other aligned vibrations than a dissonant energy. Dissonant energy is going to attract dissonant energy. So that's all embodiment practices are about. It's not about being Jesus or whoever you put on a pedestal. Lewis Howes, Jesus, whoever, right? It's about being honest about what's alive in you right now. And aliveness isn't just pleasure and joy and all the good things. Aliveness is grief and sadness and remorse and shame and, you know, all the things, anger. That is embodiment. Can I be honest about what is here? And if there's something here, we've all been there, where there's something here and it's like right under the surface and someone's like, how are you doing today? You're like, yeah, 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 I'm good. (laughs) and your animal body is going bullshit Mm. bullshit and you don't know why it's bullshit but your animal body can read other bodies we are somatically conditioned as animals just like animals can walk up to another animal and they can sense what's happening no language needed we complicate things our human animal complicates things with language and unfortunately we've reverted to language as being the only thing but our animal bodies speak way before, way before our mouths can yap. And unfortunately, most of our mouths lie. We lie, we lie, we lie, we lie because we want to be loved. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to risk. We don't want to be scary. We don't want to be too much. We don't want to be too little. So we lie, we lie, we lie, we lie. And there's a dissonance and people can feel it and they don't know why they don't resonate. But they're like, nah, I just don't like that person. Or maybe your animal body's picking up that there's something going on and they're yapping away about something else. You know, is our animal body, is that intuition? No, it's so simple. Intuition is a part of it. It's a part Mm. of it. It's a feeling sense of like what could be, but our animal bodies, it's a language. Like our bodies speak just like I was able to read just the top half of your body from the screen. Our animal bodies speak. And most of us as kids, we know this as kids, we know, like, you know how certain kids can really like step in and and just feel someone's energy and be like, nope. And come right back to mom, you know? We're born with it, but we get trained out of it because we get conditioned into language being the only way to communicate. We're not Mm -hmm. conditioned. We're not taught the alphabet for our bodies. 
we're not taught how to speak the language of our bodies. We intuitively know it. Right. But if we're then trained to move up, we just eventually cut ourselves off from the neck down, which is most of us. Most of us are walking around as brains going like this, like life is good. And we don't realize how much life we're actually missing because the body is our tuning fork. And if we tap into that, we tap into our full sense of aliveness. We can feel more joy than we've ever been able to experience. And we can feel more grief and sorrow than we've ever been able to experience. But that's what being alive is actually about, is feeling it all, you know? How do we begin to trust that again? It's a language, right? So it's learning a new language. You have to get into connection with that. And that's why I think somatic practices are so important. When I first started, I didn't even know what somatics were because I was so deep into the mindset world. Right. It's like mindset, 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 mindset. And there's nothing wrong with mindset, but it's skipping out on 80% of us. Well, so what when is I somatic heard, work? Yeah. So when I heard somatic work, you know, when I was studying, I was like, what is that? Soma in Greek means the body. And so somatic work is accessing the wisdom of the body and working with it. So there's, you know, somatic leadership coaching where we can literally work your body into a body that is a leader. Not here because you say all the right things, but here in your soma, in your body. There's somatic trauma work where we work and release trauma in your body without language. We don't need the story. We don't need to know what parent did it or what neighbor did it. We just need to know that we see it in your left shoulder. And we're going to work it out. We're going to move that energy up and out of the body so that we create space. And when we have space energetically in the body, we have space to welcome in new life, right? Right. So a lot of people are really rigid and brittle because they've got stuck energy. And so there's that kind of somatic work. Then there's just getting to know the body and tapping in. Like the simplest thing, when I first started somatic work, it was like, okay, what's your body feeling right now? I'm like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I was so disconnected that I couldn't even, like, I was trying to find the right answer in my brain for Mm. what my body was sensating. And so it's a practice, just like learning a new language. You have to start with the basics, like start with a letter A. Okay, breath. Breath is the basics for body work, for somatics. Okay, can I breathe? Can I really breathe? Not just here in my lungs, but into my center point below my belly button. That's where animals breathe. That's where babies breathe. Adults breathe here, up. Why are we so anxious? Because we breathe here, up. If we want to breathe into our full somatic power, we breathe down into the base of our belly, which is the center point of our body. When our body has oxygen, fully oxygenated, our animal can move better. And so we can then move in the world with more of an energetic scope. We have length, we have width, and we have depth energetically versus collapsed energy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's these like subtle things, but it's it makes all the difference. It's wild. I'm sure it does. I, I wrote it down because I need to look into it. I see a bunch of women that I follow are always posting about it. So I'm going to do my research there. I want to ask you a question. And I know asking this question, you don't know everything about our audience or myself, but I'm really curious to hear your response. Now, you've given us a ton already, but I have it written down here on a post-it note because someone asked it to me. And the question is, how would my life be different if I knew what you know? Oh, I'm going to give a very unsexy answer. Please do. Okay. But it's the truth. It's the truth of what's coming through. So based on me not knowing anything about the listener, your life would be different because you would look at your life and go, I created this. Mm. I created everything that's here. The thing I'm complaining about, I created it, at least co-created it. 
The thing that I'm worrying about, I'm creating that. The thing that I keep blaming on that person right there, I created that. Follow-up question, and why did I create that? What's the payoff for me? Because there's always a payoff. Even if we're like, why would I create something bad for my life? Well, sometimes the payoff is to validate our story of unworthiness. Because if I can get that person over there to treat me just like my dad did or whatever our story is, it validates that I'm not good enough and then I get to stay exactly where I am as the victim with nothing to do. I get to wait for the world to send me the perfect package with the perfect wrapping paper that I can open and go, "Ah, now I'm happy. Right. But the truth is when you know what I know, it's that going back, life can get a little more challenging because there's a radical responsibility that has to take shape and has to be present for the sake of our greatest evolution, Mm -hmm. our greatest emergence. And like, that's what's exciting to me. Like I, I recently went through like the most challenging year of my life for a myriad of reasons. And I was talking to a friend yesterday. He's like, man, you know, it's just, it's crazy to see how you handle hard things because he knows what happened. And I said, yeah, but the craziest thing is I look at that and I go, I think, not I think, I know, I know this last year, hardest year of my life. And I've been through hard things, hardest year of my life this past year. I know that my lessons that I got from these challenges, which brought me to the depths of grief, that brought me to the depths of sadness, of questioning what's it all about, of having to face off with the places where I still felt unworthy and not good enough and was playing small and collapsing in my energy. Because of that, I got the opportunity, opportunity to get a life's worth of lessons fast-tracked in one year. And it's because I took myself on with those questions. How did I create this? And what's the payoff? Why did I create it? What was I gaining from it? How was it serving my smallness? And then third question, and what am I committed to now? And that, like I have goosebumps. Like that shit, it's hard work and it's so hard to do it, but it is inspiring when you know that you can actually fucking change like that and that every single circumstance in the world is a gift. It is the gift. It's the opportunity being presented to you to change. Like everything that you think is shitty and horrible and not working in your life is God, universe, source going here. Here's your opportunity to see it differently. And this time I'm going to make it real bad. (laughs) So 2022, you're saying, was the hardest year? Yeah. What are we in? 23? Yeah. 2022. (laughs) It's so interesting because I talk to a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Everyone I talk to says 2022 was the hardest year of their life, including me, by the way. Yes. Same. Something was happening. I don't know I what. I don't know what the fuck was going yeah. on. But <laughs> I'm not into astrology, but if I was, I think that there was something astrological happening. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm talking like people that, you know, are in my life daily and then yeah. like the richest people I know. And I'm like, yep. everyone was going Every- through it. Everyone, same. I have I have friends who are billionaires going through it. I have friends who, you know, were married for 40 years going through it, divorcing. Like, I mean, you name it. It was like everything that needed to be unearthed that wasn't, mm. it's almost like a storm. You know, when a storm comes through, it kind of blows anything away that's not rooted. Yeah. That's kind of what 2022 felt like for me and my circle. It was like anything that wasn't fully rooted as truth. Whew, got shaken up. And then we were forced to go clean up. Let's look at the pieces. Let's pick up these pieces. Do we still keep this? Do we want to keep this? Do we not? Okay, let's put that one down. Oh, this one. Yes, I love this piece. Let's, Let's actually plant this one and tend to it so it is rooted for the next storm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's what the opportunity was for me in 2022 was just cleaning up the shit that got stuffed under the rug for far too long, having yeah. to look at it, and then planting the seeds of what I actually desired and actually cultivating those. What was your biggest lesson of 2022, if you don't mind me asking? I know it might be personal, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, God, there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> but I think the biggest one, and it's like one of those big life light bulb aha moments, but the biggest one is my purpose here, my purpose, I can't speak for everyone else, but my purpose is to get as close as I can to living that full, infinite spiritual being every single day. That's my only job here. And it's so, it sounds so simple, but it's like, it's like I could have taken ayahuasca and gotten that message. Like that's how life changing it was, where it just hit and I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. And I had this moment where it's like, man, we take it all so seriously. Oh my God, it's all so simple. It's all so simple. All just want love. We all just want to be loved. We're all searching for that and scanning for that and doing everything and buying clothes and trying to look younger and having nicer houses and working out all for love, belonging. Okay, okay, if I know that, if I know that, and I know that my infinite spiritual self already is that, how do I play the game of life differently? And let me tell you, I play it so differently now. I love that. I have to ask you this. You know that's your purpose, right? And you said that's a daily, you know, something you need to do daily. But on a day you don't do that, does that mean you don't feel successful? No, because it's my humanness, you know? Like, Mm. again, part of the great understanding that unfolded for me is, is how broken we feel as humans, but how that brokenness is actually us coming together. Right. And so again, it goes back to that question of like, do we all heal? I don't think we're inherently broken. I think anything that we feel as brokenness is actually us coming together if we take the opportunity to see it for what it is. And it's one of those things like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. right. Most people go through their lives if their lives are quote unquote good enough, they're not really inspired to make change because if it ain't broke, don't fix it right? Everything's fine. Like fine should be the word that you fucking run from. Because if it's <laughs> fine, truth is, it's probably complacency. You probably gave up somewhere. And that's okay. Like we've all been there, right? But for me, the quote unquote brokenness is it's the cracks to let the light in, right? I forget who said that quote. I think it was Rumi. The cracks are where the light gets in. And so the cracking of ourselves, of our humanness is actually the opportunity of contrast for us to go, oh, yep. Okay. This feels different. What do Mm. I want to do with this? And so the days I don't do it are the cracking days. Those are the days where I feel myself cracking a little bit because I'm quote unquote off my game, but am I ever off? No, I'm on. I'm exactly where I need to be because I need to forget so that I can have the contrast again so that I can choose back in and emerge to a more expansive expression of who I am. I love this. I don't want to let you go. I have to in a few minutes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I could have this conversation all day. I will let everyone know websites, socials, all that good stuff is in the show notes. Anything else that we should let people know about before I ask you one last question? No, I mean, the, the biggest thing is find me on Instagram, all my links in the bio. I try to keep those pretty current. I am not on social media a lot. Uh, I, I have a team that repurposes a lot of my, my content, which is great, but I do my best to stay current. I've got something called Sanctuary for those of you who are like loving the spiritual undertone of this. My husband and I run our version of a quote unquote church because we grew up kind of, he grew up very Christian. I grew up not resonating with the church at all. And so we said, wouldn't it be cool 
cool if there was a place for people who had the yearning to talk about spirituality and depth and deeper meaning and these like deeper topics in a community where we can really play together. So that's what Sanctuary is. It's our version of that. So for any of you who are like, oh, I like this. And like, where do I get more of it? Sanctuary is the place. For any of you who want to do somatic work and embodiment work, bridge, yes, go to the bridge, bridgeexperience.com. It will change your life. It will be a hard You said that's in Austin, right? Austin, end of March. We actually leave on Tuesday this week. We're going to Australia as well. So we'll be in Gold Coast the first two weeks of March and then Austin the last two weeks of March. Very, very cool. I love that. All of that will be in the show notes for the people that are looking for it. And then I'm going to ask you one last question. I want to make sure that I ask this clearly because some people take it one way, others take it another. But Alexi lives to whatever year you want to live. Okay. You hop on as many podcasts, write as many books, you have as much real estate as you can dream, you live the big life that you want to live, right? You you do it all, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice, meaning not what you're remembered for, but a piece of advice that's attached to your name forever. Yeah, like it's on your tombstone. What is that piece of advice? You're already there. You're already there. What does that mean? Everybody has a there in their mind. Everybody. Everybody's got some future version of their life that's like, once I get there, then I'll be happy. Once I get that, then I'll be happy. Once I get X amount of followers, then I'll be happy. Once I get this Mm. amount of investments, then I'll be happy. Once I get the wife and the kids and settle down, then I'll be happy. Once I get the, you know, prolific library of books that I've written, then I'll be happy. But what if you're already there? Mm. And the game is for you to just wake up to the fact that you're already fucking there and life is already fucking good. And you have the opportunity to feel all the joy that you think all these things and experiences are going to give you. What if it's already all here and we just have to wake up to it and stop focusing on the silo of the one thing that we think it is and broaden our perspective, soften our perspective to the fact that life is always giving us an opportunity to experience, Mm. oh my God, I'm here. Yeah. that's You had that answer very quick, by the way. Because that's what I'm sitting with right now. Mm, I love that. I love that. Alexi, thank you so much for this. This was absolutely incredible. Reminding everyone, check her out in the show notes. But thank you. This was absolutely amazing. So good. And great questions. And savage. I want that savage energy <laughs> in your next one. <laughs> I appreciate it. You have just tuned into episode number 277 of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. I want to say thank you for making it through this episode as once again, this conversation is the epitome of the purpose of this show, which is homecoming, coming home to who you truly are. As I said earlier in this episode, I would love to know what your biggest takeaways from this particular episode are. Head over to my Instagram account, drop them in the comments as I would love to start a conversation with you and learn what it is you're taking away, learn what it is or where you are in your journey right now. Furthermore, make sure you check out Alexi in the show notes of this particular episode where you're going to find all of her information, socials, websites, programs, this, that, the other, all of the good stuff is over there for you to check out. And last but not least, probably most importantly, make sure that you're sharing this with someone in your life. These episodes are totally free. And if there was a fee, it would be to share this episode because you have the opportunity to be a beacon of light to someone else, someone close to you, maybe someone far, whether you share it via text message or on your Instagram story. We would love to see that. We love to see our community grow and we love to see the impact 
that comes from that growth. So until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.